Welcome to Sacred and Sequential Audio at the intersection of religion and comics. I'm A. David Lewis. On Saturday, October 21st, 2017, the Massachusetts Independent Comic Expo held the panel Comics and Islam at Lesley University. Panelists include Hussein Rashid, A. David Lewis, Sarah Alfagi, and moderator Hilary Chute. Here is the entirety of that panel. Please forgive the limited sound quality. Turn it over to the panelists to introduce themselves. 
Well, I referenced Graven Images at the beginning, which was a, a rather successful Boston University conference, academic conference focused on uh, ostensibly comics and religion writ large. Even there, uh, and then ultimately, subsequently with the publication of that book, um, Islam was only passingly represented. Uh, it was obviously identified as a major world religion, but the scholarship wasn't collected for it yet. At, at least not in a way that we could synthesize and put someone into the book and deliver it. Do, do you mean in, in terms of the field of comics or, or images in general? Because the conference is called Graven Images. Yeah, right. right. It, the, 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 co the actual title of the comics is something of a misnomer. Uh, it wasn't about prohibited images. It was just supposed to link. It was one of the intersection points between religion and comics. But it wasn't exclusively about the verboten. Mm -hmm. um, so coming off of the conference, coming off of a wonderful process uh, of creating that book, uh, it felt ultimately incomplete to me. Um, not through anyone's fault, not through the editor's fault, not through the participant's fault, but largely that we hadn't asked for that focus, and I wanted to because the focus on Islam, okay. the focus on what was a growing uh, population of both books and characters related to Islam. Now, what was the, uh, I won't say the most commercial way to deliver it, but the best entry point was through superheroes. Um, we could talk about uh, biographical or autobiographical works involving Muslims. We could talk about comics journalism involving Muslims. I hope we do that here today. but. Uh, for the purposes of this publication, in the interest of ILEX, superheroes, the wave of Ms. Marvel, and of uh, Simon Boz, the Green Lantern, and of Knight Runner, and of Kahera, and of a number that were finally coming to the forefront that we could uh, direct religion specialist attentions to, or direct comic specialist attentions to, uh, allowed this book to take shape. Mm -hmm. um, excellent. So, Rashid, I was, or, yes, <laughs> excuse me, um, Hussein, Rashid, I was wondering if you could talk about the tradition that you're interested in, um, in giving us in your chapter, which, which is basically about um, thinking about a context for this that's not just 20th century, like, the American read non-Muslim superhero, but part of a long tradition um, in Islamic cultures of visual, verbal um, hero stories and tales. So my original research was on Muslim immigrants and music in America. Um, and in the course of doing that, you know, sort of writing this sort of history on uh, Muslim music overall in America, right, They're going back to periods of enslavement, to present dance, we're talking this, this spectrum. Um, and in the process of that, realizing all these other spaces where Muslims have made an impact. And so I sort of had this passing interest um, in Muslims and popular culture, and I started meeting comic scholars like Dave and other people who were introducing me to that world and sort of walking me through it. And realized that there actually is quite a bit of information out there, scholarship out there. But a lot of what was happening was that he was looking at the current moment um, as Muslim superheroes, which again is not a bad thing, it's not criticism, uh, it's not paid criticism, but sort of saying, well, I'm actually much more of somebody who tries to look at things through history, so is there, does superheroism exist absent American context, and does it exist in Muslim cultures and contexts? And what I found, or what I argue, is that in fact it does exist, and it goes back really to the earliest periods, and you can see some of this um, I look at a contemporary comic book called Sufi Comics, which comes out of India, for those of you who are interested. But the original entry point for me, um, and I make references to the article, is actually looking at the Persian miniature tradition, where you see some of these stories illustrated, so that this sort of illustrated super heroic narrative isn't something new within Muslim traditions. Now, what the hero means is something very different. 
uh, but that there is a sense of heroism and wanting to be like somebody else that's inherent within the tradition. And so, yes, let's look at the current moment of what's happening in America, but let's not pretend that you know, this is the first time Muslims have had heroic narratives. So um, that's a really interesting focus of your piece in the book. Could you describe a little bit how the concept of the superhero is different if we think about this longer tradition? Explain, explain the hype. Uh, explain the hype. It's where nobody wants to be. Um, so one of the arguments that I make is I look at this particular figure, um, Ali, who is the cousin and son-in-law of Prophet Muhammad. And he has all these heroic narratives that are built up around him. And then he starts developing, uh, as sort of these legends start being developed, he starts acquiring super heroic powers. You know, he can uh, lift up a door that 10 ordinary men can't lift up. He can um, slay the devil and has to be stopped from slaying the devil because the devil has a role to play in human history. Um, and so he takes on these supernatural powers. But what I argue is that within Muslim traditions, Ali's special powers are tied intimately to his relationship to God. So this is not like Superman where he gets them from some external force, the yellow sun, or a mutant where you're sort of inbred with it. But it, it, without his spirituality, without his religiosity, he doesn't have these special powers. So I'm, I don't want to call him a superhero, sort of one word, because that brings to mind Superman or, or Cyclops. Um, but he's more than our regular hero. Um, you know, sort of our, our firefighters or our first responders. And, and so the way I sort of navigate that space is super-hero, that he's a hero who is super, um, and that he can develop and cultivate these qualities that believers can then seek to emulate, knowing full well that they can never attain it, but that by walking a similar path and trying to develop their spirituality in a similar way, that there's a sense that they too can have this, uh, what is called barakah, or blessing, that they can manifest in their own so, um, am I right that in this tradition there are no super hyphen heroes um, whose powers are sort of given by God? That's right, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, that's exactly the point, is that to be a, a hero, you can be a hero within a uh, Islamicate that's influenced by Islam, in that sort of context. Um, you know, so if you think about a thousand and one nights, the heroes all throughout there. Uh, but when you start talking about these superpowers, that's, that's defined very much by an intimate relationship with Okay. So, um, I'm curious at some point, I don't want to lose this, to hear about the disagreement you had about the scope of the book. Um, but I'd, I'd love to hear from Sarah about her work because she works in so many different forms and has her hand in so many different interesting things that I'd love to, um, for us all to get a grounding in that before we open up the conversation even more. It's kind of interesting with the kind of work that I do. It's very different from my peers here. I am not sitting around writing essays. I'm more, I look at it from a couple different lenses. I see things, one from obviously like a fan's perspective. I grew up with uh, Marvel and DC. I was running back and forth to libraries with like stacks of comics that went over my head. And um, art wasn't something that I developed for myself until much later on. It wasn't a career path I actually chose for myself until I got into college. I've actually been drawing for only about four years, to be honest. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so for me, I started to have these actual internal conflicts as both a fan and then soon to become a creator. And now that I'm in that position, where I realize I'm like, I have a choice in how I want to shape the narratives that I'm seeing out there. I'm not so much looking towards uh, the history of American comics. I'm not even so much looking towards the history of Islamic visual tradition. I'm looking at what is right here, right now, and what people are picking up in their comic book stores and what they're interacting with, and how we're representing uh, Muslim people in the media, among which is comics. Like for me, it's, it's about that interaction that I'm particularly interested in and that I'm very much involved in. So my work with uh, ministers in our nonprofit group is that we're, we're trying to make the change happen for the stuff that we're not seeing. This is gonna sound very millennial of me, I hate that word, but I've noticed this growing trend with creators and with people in this generation, people who are here at MICE, where we're not gonna sit back and wait for those characters and those stories to come out for us. We're just gonna go out there and do it. We're gonna launch our Kickstarters, we're gonna shoot our Patreons, we're gonna start posting webcomics. 
and we're getting the stories out there regardless of like what publishers say. And I think that's an incredibly different narrative and almost superhero narrative. Yes, we came every day superheroes. So can I ask you a question and anybody else feel free to jump in too. So what are the stories and characters that you're not seeing? Um, can, can you describe what that is or what kinds of stories and characters you want to be seeing and are creating? I feel like we have, um, I, there's this weird pushback in, in narrative spaces and, you know, between like creators and comic circles and things like that, you know, you want to push female narratives and you want to push, you want to make sure that you're putting as many female voices in a space, but I feel like there's this odd disconnect where people don't realize where a majority of the male voices that we even have in those spaces come into a certain form where they're usually like, you know, uh, White, straight passing, American, like you, you know the list. I don't <laughs> we know what's up. So, what people don't realize is that we don't have a lot of strong um, male figures of men of color and people who identify as part of marginalized backgrounds like Muslim men. For me, uh, seeing, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the comic Ms. Marvel, it's an incredible publication from Marvel uh, <laughs> here. Um, so, for me, one of the most impactful and profound things, I didn't realize I was missing out on it until I saw it. She right. has this incredible father figure in that comic, who is still the, the standard, stern, you know, Daisy dad figure, which I expected him to be, but he's incredibly understanding. He's a gentler side of the family. Uh, he's uh, consistently supportive, even through his sternness, and it's just like, Oh wow, a strong parental figure in, in a comic like that. I never see that from Muslim men. So it's a really interesting point. Can I answer that in terms of a character I miss? Uh, or a sort of character I wish was brought back? Uh, for a time, and I think it's officially alive again, but we've seen very little of it, there was a DC imprint called Milestone, which was uh, largely by black and minority creators. And they had uh, a character named Wise Son. Now, Wise Son was this hard-drinking, womanizing, uh, profanity-laden, gang-banging Muslim man, nation of Islam uh, adherent. And that does not sound very complimentary. I understand that, how many of that, how much of that goes against the tenets of Islam. But I wanted to stay with his story. I wanted to watch his evolution. Because in the brief time that those comics were around, he even had his own mini-series, he was starting to look at life new, starting to take on uh, spiritual leanings and sort of curtail his love. That was fascinating to me. Now, I love Ms. Marvel. I love Excalibur. I love uh, Simon Boz, um, Nightrunner. G.W. Bridge. I mean, I, I know the catalog of Muslim characters we can uh, access in the superhero genre, but I'm not seeing, and I guess something I'm trying to play with in Kismet is the imperfect character, the conflicted character, uh, the one who is trying to negotiate his or her or their uh, identity in this society while still considering themselves fully Muslim, so that, that'd be my way of answering the question. Building off of that point, a lot of what I tend to talk about when I when I speak or when I write about these sort of topics is that we deserve those kind of diverse set of stories. Like not only are we trying to push more narratives out there, but we gotta make sure that we're not we're trying to have somebody believable. We have the right to look for somebody who is still an interesting character at the end of the day. Um, something that I tend to, I, I don't know if I can win the phrase, but I'm gonna pretend like I did, uh, is a term that I refer to called casual inclusion, inclusion, which is how I tend to refer to characters like that, where you know that their identity, their, in this context, them being Muslim, is a specific aspect to them, and it's an important aspect to them, but it definitely does not define their entire character, and it definitely shouldn't. Uh, I think that having that aspect of their lives included in a narrative, but making sure that they're so much more than that, does a lot more work than like checking off a diversity checklist. So, can we, can we think of some names of creators um, who do that kind of work? 
can we sort of generate the landscape? So I'm terrible with names. Mm -hmm. uh, I say that, but there's actually been some really great stuff coming out in young adult comics that I've seen. Um, Midas Touch has a visibly Muslim character. Um, Help us great warrior. You know, has another Muslim character. But again, it's also it's, it's so the term I use, Sarah, is uh, accidental Muslim. Actually, the article I have on film is the accidental Muslim, the person who just happens to be Muslim but doesn't need to be to get the story going. You know, it has a lot of these Muslim type characters who are not necessarily the lead, but are really complex. And you know, they're Muslim, but it's not defining. It's like the are. bar is super low at this point, yeah. where it's just like, hey, they're a well-developed character. <laughs>
And now they've forgotten his muscle mess, and now he's just Aaron. Mike mm. Runner is, I haven't seen him in years. And, you know, I look for these issues, and it's like, no, no, hasn't shown up in a while. You know, we just, they forget about it. Um, now, again, Marvel hasn't exactly had the best track record, and like Justin Sachs, and Bridge. Miss um, Marvel seems to have some longevity, Dusk seems to have some longevity. Uh, you know, they, they threw it out. They, they you know, they bombed with Monet, character Monet from the X-Men, who announces in one issue after, what, 22 years in existence? Yep. Hi, I'm Muslim. My last name is Sekwa, you know, St. Cross, but I'm Muslim. And then we forget about that after that issue. That never <laughs> I up. just want to go up to every single Marvel editor, DC editor out there and just be like, it doesn't count. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't count. <laughs> Arab 
modern-day-ish myth romance <laughs> called Habibi. And the work is visually stunning. And its packaging is amazing. And the story is so problematic. <laughs> Even though, unlike Frank Miller, the same week, right? He seems very pro-Muslims. He seems very loving of the calligraphy and of the culture, but it comes off as such, for me, such tourism, ultimately. But it counts. It's, it's there, it can't be ignored. I was so worried that you were bringing that book up as like a positive. Yeah. <laughs> I was like really anxious about that I, for, I, me. I, I, for me personally, even as I, I actually wasn't able to get through that book. I really, really wasn't. Um, and for me, part of that was actually from my artist background. Uh, even the way that the art style works speaks of the kind of themes that it is. It's very touristy as the word that I was going to say was fetishist, but whatever. Um, and you pull that even from the art style. It reminds me a lot of, if you dig back to your art history classes, uh, it's it's like those Orientalist paintings where it's just like so obsessively detailed and so overdone, where it's a bit of a sensory overload and it's it's just too much, and it's not realistic, and not even in a good way, it's just it's just too much. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I think I actually have a really hard time with the baby, and I'm not trying to defend it, yeah. uh, because I do come down on a much more critical side, but at the same time, yes, he's dealing with some of these oriental tropes, these sort of stereotypical depictions of Arabs slash Muslims, which he conflates quite thoroughly, but it also feels like he's trying to subvert them, but he doesn't know enough to know how to support them. Mm -hmm. So he ends up re reinforcing, right, exactly. So he has another reason, just another background. Uh, again, that's what it reads like. I don't know how his intent on this background, but that's what it feels like. Okay, because we're going to run out of time soon, I feel like um, I don't want to get too deep into critiquing works because we could spend hours. <laughs> <laughs> Although it's interesting that people have different vantage points um, from which to launch their critique. Right? It but wouldn't be a comics and Islam panel if we didn't say Marjan Satrapi Persepolis. Okay, we said it. So <laughs> Actually, what I was going to ask is right. what, what issues would be taking up space ideally more? Hmm. And what aesthetic idioms would be taking up space ideally more? That you'd like us to? Yeah, yes. Ideally, yes. Yeah. LGBTQ and Islam. <laughs> Bang, right there. That's my talk. More stories about uh, the, uh, not just the immigrant narrative uh, that comes with a lot of you know uh, young Muslims growing up in Western countries like the U.S., like in the U.K. and other places, but also the non-immigrant uh, stories because they are out there. I want to hear more immigrant <laughs> stories. I want to hear more stories that that don't just it's not what you first expect. Non-Arab stories, yeah. please. <laughs> I, I think just echoing both of them, but at a bigger level, is, is the diversity of what it means to be Muslim in America. I mean, this population is the, this population in the United States is the most diverse population of Muslims in the world, bar none. We should be able to start experiencing those stories. When the largest population of Muslims in America is African American, and we're having a hard time finding those stories, right? And yet, we're going to spend another whole panel talking about systematic racism in America and how that <laughs> Of ourselves mm -hmm. to everybody else. Mm -hmm. We can't talk about 
homophobia in our communities and tackle them because that's already the dominant narrative. Mm -hmm. And it's it's really hard to unpack all these nuances and then on top of that creators aren't given the spaces for the time. You know, five issues of Green Lantern isn't the space to do that. Mm -hmm. Even Miss Marvel to start, but that's all it is. Mm -hmm. um, those are all really interesting, um, rich responses. And at this point, we should open it up to questions from the audience. Yes. Hi. I just want to know if you've heard of the 99 years. I had personally haven't really read it. I I'm not even gonna give like an intellectual reason why, it's just I thought it was kinda corny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think uh, I I've read almost the entire run of the ninety nine. Um I know Naive I think you know that as well, the creator behind it. Um, and if you haven't seen his TED Talks, his name is Naif Omotawa, if you haven't seen his two TED Talks, one about the creation of the 99, one about um, the Islamophobia he faced when they tried to create an animated TV series. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a, there's a hour-long documentary. There's a documentary, Wham Bam is Love. Wham Bam is Love. Wham Bam is Love. <laughs> um, so I just, I just as a preface to say that I, I know him, so you understand what I'm about to say, uh, that, that may affect what you would be here for me. When you hear this talk about why he started this, I've heard him tell this story a thousand times. It is exactly the question of representation that I think we're trying to get. And he says, look, my boys, at the time he had five sons, he now has more. Uh, but at the time he had five sons, they read Spider-Man. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with Spider-Man, but they don't see themselves. Like, ethically, morally, you know, it's not like Peter Parker's doing anything wrong. It's not that it's good, but they don't see themselves. And so how do I get them to see themselves? It's, uh, and I think the question of representation is so important. And sometimes it doesn't have to be as explicit as the 99. Like right now, I'm really moving to Fred Pack's Magic Cadet U, which has this really great racially diverse cast. And it's not a thing, it's just part of the universe, you know, uh, in ways that feel really authentic. So I think for me, I like what he was trying to do with the 99. It didn't succeed for a variety of reasons. Part of, it, part of it was, I don't think it was set up well for long-term storytelling. Um, you know, the promises weren't set up for long-term storytelling, it was too self-contained. Uh, but that's all 2020 hindsight, when it came out, it looked like it was great. Other questions? Yes. I was wondering, it was interesting to hear about a like, over-visualization of orientalist visual culture, but I wonder if any of you have favorites that have been influenced visually one comes to mind, although I think it's a little controversial, so... <clears throat> mm -hmm. uh, I was a younger lad when I read this, but uh, Neil Gaiman's Sandman 50, Ramadan, impacted me hugely. Uh, and it was laden with uh, Islamic visual influences that I, as a New England suburban white at the time Jew, I <laughs> uh, had not been exposed to. So uh, I know that's reaching a little far back, but that's the one that comes right up. Anybody else? So about artists who were impacted by this? Who were visually influenced rather than the storytelling or maybe both? For me, uh, I actually, I hate that I have to struggle with this question. It's like very upsetting to me that I have, I can't like bring up actual names. For me, what it actually comes down to is more the handicraft side. Um, both my parents, uh, I'm the daughter of Jordanian immigrants and I still identify very much as Jordanian American. And if you know anything about that visual culture, like there's a really rich um, textile type of, uh, type of tradition there. And for me, what I've noticed, uh, you're not familiar with my art style, but I, I'm obsessed with like heavy inking and details and things like that. And I realized when I racked my brains a little bit that it very much pulls from that detail-oriented style that came mm -hmm. from that comes from like, you know, my my roots. Mm -hmm. That's Um, and if you call it an Arab video, <laughs> 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 so I just want to make 
an art and design library. So I'm literally in charge of the comic section there. And uh, I'll have people come up to me and be like, oh, you're a comic artist, so cool. Have you read Persepolis or whatever? And I was like, yeah, I did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that's not the point. Uh, the point is that like, they, they think that I some they think that they they know what I'm about as a comic artist as a Muslim comic artist because they've read that book. I'm like her her narrative, whole one hundred percent is not something I can remotely relate to, uh, and I stress and I stress that because I love that I love that there's a Muslim story out there that I one hundred percent can has to do with socio political economic ties of Iran and all that, and it's definitely like it's a, it's a good step forward. I have a computer here, so I was able to check. <laughs> I, I did cheat in this, but uh, one story that really threw me that I still can't find a place for is Aaron and Abed uh, from Vertigo Comics, and it's by James Romberger and Jay Cantor, who I'm going to put dollars to donuts are not Aaron. <laughs> uh, but it's about a romance of sorts, a brotherhood, that arises between a Gitmo detainee and the uh, army psychologist that helps him escape but may not actually be helping him. It's a weird story, but it's the sort of weird I like in the mix. Wow, that's an interesting recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I just want to be explicit in case it wasn't. Miss Marvel is not Arab, she's South Asian. The creator is a white convert, and the editor is South Asian. Um, on the Iranian tip, I really like Zara's Paradise on First Time by Amir Khalil, which is about the 2009 Green Revolution. Um, and Cairo by G. Willem Wilson, which has some of that aesthetic art quality that's very deeply inspired by Cairo. Um, it is an Arab, yes, but it involves genies, so I'm going to non race them, be um, race them. The publisher for First Second is here, so you should tell him if you like Zahra's Paradise. I just wanted to tag on to that to say the creators of Zahra's Paradise also did Yusuf and Farhad, the great they comic did. about, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think it's Benat, so that's the comic they did with Amnesty about um, a same-sex couple in Iran. So again, okay. yeah. Yusuf and Farhad. Yeah. Okay, we have time for some more questions. Yes. Um, so we focus a lot on you know, the, the US kind of market creation. I'm wondering, are there any Franco-Belgian or, or South South Asian or any other the comics you'd like to see translated to English that would tell some of these stories that you're aware of? So South Asian market is interesting because of colonialism. Mm -hmm. Like that market is predominantly Anglophone. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, but there's a really great uh, graphic novel market out of South Asia. Um, I mentioned Sufi comics already. Yeah. Um, and Penguin India has a whole yeah. imprint. Mm -hmm. You know, Borders is one that comes immediately to mind, which is about a bookshop in Delhi. Um, you know, people sort of pass through, uh, which is an older one. Uh, I would throw into that mix of Jonathan Geyer is a scholar who's visiting at Harvard, and he recently did uh, coverage of the mad cartoonists of Cairo, <laughs> which um, include uh, Talk Talk, T-O-K, T-O-K, transliterated into English, and uh, Samanda, uh, which are indie and very um, subversive uh, works coming out of that population dealing with both Islam, but not exclusively, about the whole experience uh, of living in Cairo, of living in Lebanon, and of living in the region, I'd absolutely point to them as being, they are the R crumbs of that geographic, socio-geographic era that we should pick up on now until, so that 20 years from now, we can say we knew when. <laughs> we have time for maybe one more question. Yes. How do you feel about the opposite problem? How do you feel about things becoming so popular that they're appropriated everywhere? Give us an example. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so hip hop is your example yeah. where, where yeah. you know, had something that you know, really represented and underrepresented people for a long time and then Taylor Swift. So are, how concerned are we about that for the representation of Muslims in comics? 
Sacred and Sequential, please visit our website at www.sacredandsequential.org. We can also be found on Twitter at Religion Comics. Today's music was provided by Simon Mathewson from the album Circuit. My name is A. David Lewis. Stay connected.